0: We take your Bibles and turn to Revelation 18. Revelation 18. At the close of the book of Revelation, we have two cities, Babylon and the New Jerusalem, and this book closes this in this way so that the seven churches in seven cities will know what they ought to pursue. God, Christ lays out these two options, and He's telling us and He's showing us how which one we ought to choose. Which one we must go away from. And today we learn more about this choice because God can tell us, He can tell us, we'll separate from Babylon, but He can also show us how we ought to feel towards Babylon and and separate from Babylon, how we're supposed to feel about following Christ by showing us a a number of ways that people respond when Babylon falls. That's what we're going to consider today. Revelation 18. My dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, let's consider when it goes up in smoke. Let's pray. Father, as we consider your word today, we ask that you would sharpen us, that you would sharpen our understanding of you, sharpen our understanding of what you require of us. For one who is not yet saved today, we pray that you'd bring him to salvation. We pray that you would draw people to yourself as they see the vanity of earthly pursuits, and as they see the value of pursuing Christ, best of all. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Valentine's Day was a week ago, and hopefully it was a wonderful experience for you of showing kindness and love to other people. I also want to tell you about something that happened 10 days ago, and that was National Don't Cry Over Spilled Milk Day they have a day for everything. I don't know if the Gallagher's celebrated that day or not, but if you missed it, I wouldn't worry about it. You see, there are things in life that aren't worth the tears. And that's especially true in Revelation 18, where there are a lot of tears. The middle of this chapter has been referred to in terms of a funeral for the great city Babylon. Of course, as we go through Revelation 8, 17 and 18, it tells us about the judgment of Babylon. Christ will judge her. And when Babylon is judged, she will fall. And therefore, God's people are called out of Babylon. We see in chapter 18, that verse 4, these words, Come out of her, my people. That was the point from last week's message from the first part of the f- chapter 18. Because Babylon is going to fall, separate from Babylon. And as we went through that portion, we saw the twin truths about Babylon that Christ knows her works and would repay her for her works. And isn't that so similar to what Christ said to the churches that he knew their works and he promised to give to each according to his works? Chapter 2, verse 23. You see, God's people had better separate from that spirit of Babylon which occupies every city, and even finds space in local churches. Now that was last week, that was the first portion of chapter eighteen. Now the second point we see in chapter eighteen comes from verse twenty. So look with me in your Bibles at Revelation eighteen twenty, where we see a response to the fall of Babylon. It says this rejoice over her, O heaven. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, our responses are very telling. They reveal what is in our hearts. Our responses show what we value. And much of chapter 18 portrays people valuing things that don't matter. So as we go through this, let's test ourselves as Christians concerning what we value. One of the indications of what An object's value is, is is that object going to last? Jesus taught his disciples not to lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Things that are valuable are things that last. Things that are short-lived aren't valuable. That's the case when we come to Babylon. Because we see in verses 9 through 20 that Babylon will be suddenly destroyed. It will be suddenly destroyed. Repeatedly in chapter 18 we are told that Babylon will come to a very sudden end. So look at what the angel said at the end of the angel's statement in verse 8. For this reason, her plagues will come in a single day and she'll be burned with fire. Now notice there are three groups of people who are going to weep and wail in verses 9 through 19. And notice the refrain of what they say. Verse 10 says this. For in a single hour, your judgment has come. Verse 17, for in a single hour, all this wealth has been laid waste. Verse 19, for in a single hour, she has been laid waste. This is the sudden judgment of Babylon. And some people are going to mourn for her sudden judgment. They're going to weep. They're going to wail. Who's going to do that? Look at verse 9. The kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her. Verse 11, The merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her. Verse 17, halfway through. All shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors, and all whose trade is on the sea, stood afar off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads as they wept and moored and cried out, Alas! Alas! So a lot of tears will be shed when Babylon... And what this indicates is the love these people had for Babylon. You see, when something bad happens to someone in the world, we typically don't break down in tears. For example, a political figure this last week passed away, and probably none of you wept for him. But if someone close to you passed away this last week, you probably would have wept So the tears of these monarchs and merchants and mariners reveal what they love. And to fill this out even further, it's not just our tears that show what we love. It's the whole array of emotions that shows what we love. So young people, you see this on the front of your bulletin today. King Ahab, he pouted all the day. Why? Because he couldn't have Naboth's vineyard. Showed what he loved. It revealed his affection for the vineyard. So young people, have you ever pouted like King Ahab because you didn't get something that you wanted? What your pouting showed is what you really love. And our emotions are indicators of what we love, whether that emotion is one of sorrow or of anger or of excitement. The question is this, does what we love deserve our affection? Should we love what we love? When we consider these folks who wept in Revelation 18, we realize that their hearts were in the wrong place, and their own words show that they have misplaced affections. So let's look at what they say. Verses 9 and 10, The kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her. That's to distinguish these kings from the ten kings who hated her. This is a broader group. These kings weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. Young people, you remember from Sunday school that this is what Abraham saw when he looked over the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. He saw the smoke of their burning. So it is here. And these kings will stand far off in fear of her torment. Young people, you remember the story of Jonah who went and preached to Nineveh. You remember after he preached he went out of the city and stood a distance from the city because he thought that God was going to destroy the city. What it seems to be is this sight and this stance of the kings are both indicating that Babylon refers to an actual end-time city. They see fire, they stand away from it, and they say this, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city, Babylon. You see, the powerful bemoan her sudden loss of power. It's the kings who are lamenting mighty Babylon's destruction. Babylon is a great city, even as Revelation 17, 18 tells us. Babylon was great in that she had dominion over the kings of the earth. The point is, you wouldn't think that something with that much power... Could fall so suddenly. They looked at Babylon as invincible, as powerful. So they're stunned when the mighty city falls. Now, what's that kind of like? Well, that might be how the Philistine army felt when their champion Goliath was slain. They're stunned. How could it be that someone so strong, so great, has fallen? So these in Revelation, they're not lowly Philistine soldiers, but they're kings. They're the kind of folks who crave power themselves. And they're amazed that power that they desire so much can fade away so quickly. It just goes to show that power is not a good investment. It comes and it goes. The might of this great city is no match for the might of King Jesus who is judging her, as verse 8 says. As we even learned in the introduction of this book, it is Jesus Christ who is the ruler of the kings of the earth, chapter 1, verse 5. So what we see in these kings is that the powerful bemoan her sudden loss of power. We're also going to see that the rich bemoan her sudden loss of riches, verses 11 through 20. It's the merchants and the shipmasters who lament these riches that are gone when Babylon is destroyed. These are different groups, but they say essentially the same thing, so we're going to talk about them together. The merchants say this. Look at verse 16. They say, Alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and jewels and with pearls. You see, it's her clothing that points to her wealth, which is just like today. Someone's clothing often is an indication of his wealth. The shipmasters say in verse 19, Alas, alas, for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. And we know about her wealth by not only her, car, her clothing, but her cargo. We have a listing of her cargo in verses 12 through 13. And what is striking, as Brother Ernie read those verses this morning, is that most poor people Americans possess almost all of those things in one form or another. We all have precious stones, fine textiles, fine materials for manufacturing, spices, food, livestock, whether in the field or in the freezer. One last one on the list that you probably don't have is slaves, despite the fact that the number of slaves in the world today is more than the slaves in times past. Even in the United States of America, for example, illegal immigrants can be enslaved by the one who threatens to turn them into the authorities. People steal people all the time and threaten them all the time, and they serve them. They're slaves. Slavery is alive and well in the world today. It's alive in America. And this cargo represents the wealth that people can possess. And it's wealth that most Americans possess. Now, is that a problem for us? Is all this wealth that we have a problem? Well, it can be if we have the spirit of Babylon. You say, what's the spirit of Babylon? Look with me at verse 14. Verse 14. Very telling words in verse 14 where it says, The fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you. You see, Babylon lives for stuff. And so those who share her philosophy on prosperity weep when her stuff goes up in smoke. Verse 15, the merchants of their, these wares gained wealth from her will stand afar off. They're taking that Jonah position again outside the city in fear and torment of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Say, they love stuff just like Babylon. Remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. It says, you cannot serve God and money. It's one or the other. Paul admonished in First Timothy six seventeen: as for the rich of this age... Americans, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. You say, How do you know if you set your hopes on wealth? Well, how do you respond when it goes up in smoke? I want you to compare these merchants and mariners who mourn to Job. You recall in the first chapter of Job that Job lost a great deal of wealth all of a sudden. At the end of Job chapter 1, it says, and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin. Notice the end here. Or charge God with wrong. So there's a huge difference in the way that people respond if it's something that they truly love. You know, one day, the rich and the powerful are going to see a very sudden destruction of the rich and powerful city of Babylon. And they're going to realize that vanity fair that they live for doesn't last. And that was true then. It'll be, it was true back in the 90s for the churches in Asia Minor. It's also true for us today. We are called... To rather have Jesus than silver or gold. And when we do that, when that is our song, we are often belittled, as the churches of Asia Minor were marginalized and murdered for their faithful witness for Jesus Christ. The world looks down on people who snub their riches and their power. We're supposed to have all that money can buy, they say to us. The good news is that one day what we value will actually be revealed. As valuable, And what they value is going to be destroyed. And therefore, the angel closes quite abruptly with these words in verse 20. The Bible says, Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. I tell you, this is a great turn of events. This chapter has been full of tears, and now we have rejoicing, because... Some are going to make merry over this sudden reversal. They're going to rejoice over her. And this is not sinister happiness over someone else's misfortune. This is rejoicing over vindication. Remember what the plight was for the churches of Asia Minor. They faced persecution. They faced slander from folks who claimed to be Jews. It's not easy to endure that. So the reason for the rejoicing given to us in verse 20, matches the situation of the churches. It's saying this, God pronounced on her, on Babylon, the judgment that she passed on you. Remember that Babylon was drunk with the blood of the saints. She persecuted God's people. And God will judge Babylon as severely as she persecuted the saints. It's to show us that one day... The saints who are marginalized and murdered for Christ's sake will be vindicated. And those who don't live for this world, who instead live for Christ, they're going to be shown to be true to be right when Babylon falls. One day, I'd rather have Jesus be plainly the right song to have sung. Babylon's going to suddenly be destroyed. The passage goes on to teach in verses 21 through 24 that Babylon will be irrecoverably destroyed. Now that's a lot of syllables in that word. Irrecoverably destroyed. That is not good news when it comes to your computer files. When you forgot to save something, you deleted something by mistake. You want to be able to recover your files. But when it comes to Babylon not going to be recovered. And if there's a portion of Sancta Civitas by Vaughn Williams you should listen to, it's this part of that piece of music. Verse 21, Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So, with, so will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. You see, when things are cast into the sea, they're gone forever. You've been to the lake before, and you've skipped stones. You don't expect to find those stones anymore because you've thrown them in the sea. And so it is with this millstone, which is not a stand that you'd use in the hand mill. This is a huge stone that's driven by an animal. It's a stone that will stink to the bottom of the sea, and it's never going to be raised. Babylon will be no more. And this end portion repeats that phrase, no more, six times. And all that repetition shows us is this. Babylon's destruction ends the pleasures of life. Look at verse 22 and 23. There's a listing of these pleasures. The sound of harpists and musicians, of flute players and trumpeters, will be heard in you no more. And a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. And the light of a lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of the bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. So the sound of industry and music, the light of lamps, the delight of relationships and children, they're going to be gone. And as you reflect, reflect on this list, you see, these are the good gifts that God has given mankind. He gives us entertaining pleasures. He gives us work to do. He gives us food to eat, light to see with, relationships to enjoy, and children from those things. But when Babylon falls, those common gifts of God that so many people today enjoy apart from God will be removed. And I just want you to reflect with me for a moment. Those who reject Jesus Christ and will be eternally punished, for them there will be no music. There will be no work. There will be no food. There will be no light. There will be no relationships in that eternal punishment. All those gifts of God that he has given us to enjoy as we serve him, they won't be there. So that shows us that we should not serve ourselves and take everything for our own pleasure apart from God. Babylon's going to be destroyed and with it the end of pleasures of life. And there's a reason for that. Because Babylon's destruction suits her sins. Verses 23 and 24. Four. this is the reason, this is the explanation. Because your merchants were the great ones of the earth, And all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and of all who had been slain on earth. There are three reasons for Babylon's destruction. First, the arrogance of merchants who trusted in wealth instead of in God. Second, the deception of the nations into believing that they should live for the things of today. Third, the persecution of the saints who refused to live for today, but instead chose to live for Christ. For those sins, Christ is just to judge Babylon. Those who live for power and riches will one day be justly judged and will be destroyed. So as we close, consider this. This chapter is full of tears. It is full of tears because so many people value things that don't last like power and riches. God's people, on the other hand, must not live for Vanity Fair, but for Jesus Christ. And the good news is that one day, they'll be proved right for their faith in Christ and faithfulness to Him. One day, it will be plain that all that these people were doing was crying over spilled milk. Father, as we consider this passage of Scripture, may our responses to what most people live for every day, especially on a weekend, on a Sunday, what most people give hours and thousands and thousands of dollars to. Lord, I pray that you'd open people's eyes so that they would realize before the time is too late that the things of this life cannot satisfy and cannot keep them from judgment. I pray that they would turn to you. And pray, Lord, they would do so soon. Father, pray for us who, as Americans, are extremely wealthy and very tempted to trust in riches instead of turn to you. I pray that you would help us observe our responses to things and that as we observe them, we would take stock in what we might be loving instead of you. Help us to love the Lord Jesus Christ above all other things. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen.